Welcome to our Integral Christian Network podcast. It's part three on devotion. And today we're going to focus on uh, Luke's wonderful article that he wrote on new acts of devotion. When he wrote it, I said to him, we need to have a podcast on this because it is it is beautiful and alive. And I'll turn it over to Luke to describe what he has written and elaborate on it. Well, thanks, Paul. I uh, I really appreciate that, and was glad for your enthusiastic response to it. Because um, really, what it what it was was my own personal processing with devotion in so many ways, and then of course, right, bringing that to a larger field. But um, you know, as we've talked over the years about. Uh, devotion and worship and these Christian forms of how we express our dedication to God and just kind of the inadequacy of, of a lot of the traditional forms and, and what, um, how we go through that, how we wade into something new. So, um, so worship devotion, that, that is a big theme of it for me as I, as I kind of just started to consider like, okay, what, what does devotion look like for me now? Um, you know, I think we all have this desire to live for something greater than ourselves, this desire to, to give ourselves that we don't just live for ourselves. Right. Um, but what is that? What, what does that look like? Um, you know, when we talk about devotion to God, uh, you know, in the past for me, it was kind of this external object, right. God out there. And so I, I devote myself to God, um, you know, as this sort of, maybe father figure or substitute father figure or right. All those things that we bring to God and, and, and how that expresses itself is often through like, okay, well, if I'm really devoted to God, I guess I want to make that my job or give my life to that in some way. So I guess I'll be a pastor or a missionary. Those are kind of the two tracks in my, uh, Christian tradition, <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, for others join a religious order or, you know, um, kind of give, give over to the institution that is sort of uh, representational of God. And that's, you know, that's a form, that's one way of doing it. Right. Um, but I've, I've just found myself asking as I engaged with your articles, as I entered into this, like, what about if God is not separate from us? Like if God is deeply within in that mystical sense, right. Um, how do I live in devotion to that reality or, or rather not to, but maybe from that, right. How do I live in devotion from God? And what acts or expressions would fit and make sense from that perspective, right? From that way of being. So, um, you know, that's not the, the sort of like you were, you brought back this, the intimate face of God, the the presence of the forms of God beside us and, and renewing some of that, that I'd lost in the past that we've talked on, on this podcast before, right? this reintegration of the personal God and how crucial that is. And then actually two years ago, I, I wrote an article about evolutionary devotion, right? This kind of uh, the mystery of God beyond us that is always drawing us for, forth further, right? Further beyond. We can never, um, you know, know fully, right? The, the Meister Eckhart quote, God rid me of God, right? We have our, our understanding of God as we, as we engage with it now, but it, that's always going to evolve. That's always going to continue. So, um, you know, this really was the integration of what is devotion as God being us. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the crux of the article. And, and one place that I started with is sort of a, a symbol or a, a practical expression of that is, is kind of this idea of worship, right? Like, and how we do that as Christians, what that looked like for me growing up, what that looks like for a lot of people, right? <laughs> 
um, in my Christian upbringing, you know, it was, it's church was sermons and, and singing worship songs. Right. You know, <laughs> so it's like, we have this, this sort of expression of our hearts yearning for God in these songs. And, and at some point it just kind of stopped working for me. Like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> it just, whether well, there's a number of factors in it. Right. But it just was like, this isn't, this isn't resonating. This isn't reflecting with what I'm feeling that I want my devotion to God to be and to look like, I don't know, just the emotionality of it, the, the kind of sonic rhythms and patterns that were, were, were pretty repetitive and things. And, um, and then also too, like the Royal court worship, like you wrote about Paul, right. This sense of, you know, giving praises to the King on high and so much of that language, it just, it just stopped working. And I think probably I'm guessing a few people listening can, can relate to that. Uh, so, so that sort of new framing of what worship is, uh, as creativity is one aspect of, of, um, of that reframing. So, uh, I could keep going. Maybe I'll stop there if there's any questions yet, but, or, or I can just keep going with the, uh, the flow of that, of how that has sort of shifted and changed for me. Can you tease out keep the going. worship, uh, oh. with creativity just a little bit more? Yeah, that's where I was going with it next. So, oh, well, great. Oh, uh, wonderful. So, yeah. So like one of, one of the things I came across a few years back was this quote from Teilhard de Chardin that really kind of hit me. And, and I think I've even kind of been wrestling with it since I first heard it. Cause it didn't fully make sense. Like it called to something within me, but I didn't know what it meant. And, and Tehard says, uh, to worship is now becoming to devote oneself body and soul to the creative act. I said, Oh, Whoa. Okay. That's different. That's not the definition of worship that I've, <laughs> that I've uh, heard before, or even the way that worship has expressed itself in my life. But I think it was connecting to that, that yearning, that longing, that I think shift and transformation of longing to no longer look for it outside of myself, um, but to devote my body and my soul to the creative act. Now, creativity, that's the whole topic we, we can talk about a little bit more too, because a lot of times when we think of creativity, we think of maybe like art making or, um, or beauty or, you know, painting or singing or things like that. And that's certainly an element of it. But I think in the sense of, um, of, of the interface of God being us of devoting to that expression of, of who and how God is through us and in our lives. Well, God is a creator. God loves to create. And so when we own that, we also step into our own creativity. We also become makers. Now, what do we make? Well, <laughs> it's creative. It's unique. It's, it's connected to, to each one of us and who we are and how we live that out. Um, you know, aesthetic art for the sake of beauty is is wonderful and great and certainly a part of that, but it's not the only thing, right? I'm, I'm not artistic. I can't paint a lick. I can't draw, you know, my stick figures look terrible. Um, I think my, my four-year-old son is already a better artist than I am, right? In that sense, I'm a writer, right? I write, I craft things in that way. I, I, I can, can create some art, but it, it's not just sort of representational art. Uh, it's also like creativity as um, bringing forth the newness, right? Creating new worlds to 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 co-create. So it's not just an individual expression, right? We'll bring that in as well, in the structural and the the communal sense of 
um, how is the world going to change? How are things going to become different? Well, we have to create a new world <laughs> in some ways, right? Um, we, we become that creator on, on a microcosm level, right? Um, maybe some of us will ascend to the universe and, um, you know, mystically create, uh, n- new worlds or whatever, <laughs> but, but more in the sense of, right. our creativity, um, is the unique outflow of the divine life being lived within us, our gifts, our passions, our deepest callings, right? That's our vocation. That's our work. That's, um, you know, the water of spirit soaking our ground of being to sprout forth each shoot springing into bloom in its time, uh, with the nectar and life of, of, of God in our world, where we're planted, where we are and how we can, can bring about change in the world. And that that's creativity. That's, that's worship in the sense of what I'm finding and discovering, um, through these rivers of living water flowing forth from our wombs, from that deep place of, of creativity. Um, and that's sort of tapping into the the vitality uh, of creativity as worship coming from the the interface of God being us. I'm curious, would you be willing to uh, to converse a little bit on how you experience the expression of it? So not just uh, say like the active uh, c- creative writing. But would you be willing to uh, maybe give articulation to its experience as you're doing it? So what would make it when, when it is an act of worship or adoration? What what is the quality of that experience like for you? Yeah, I, I think what I'm drawn to share about is less around form because it can take all sorts of different forms, right? It can be. Um, you know, in some sense it it can get to the really granular, like I'm, I'm the way I am, my way of being with my children or with my wife or, um, you know, who I show up as, right. Those are kind of the real fundamental elements of it aspects. And then it can get into the, the way of, of creating new structures and systems of, of gathering community, right. That's, that's one of my passions and gifts and something I'm trying to do. So when I, when I feel, let's say I'm starting a new we space group, right. And we get together with, with all the people for the first time. And there's kind of that newness of excitement like, Oh, okay, we're all here to, to do something. And, and maybe to some, it feels like a spiritual practice and others it's, you know, whatever brings them there. But I have this kind of inner sense of aliveness of like, we are, we are pursuing ultimate reality together. Like we are, we are coming together to, to engage, to integrate our consciousness, to, to come into ways of being that can bring forth a new world that can enact the loving evolution of Christianity in the world, which is our purpose as ICN. And so, you know, in that sense, it feels like this deep vital energy coming up from my womb space. I feel it in my body. Sometimes it's even like this ecstatic, um, feeling, uh, all throughout my cells, like this little vibratory ecstasy. And, and so it, it's, I think it's that aliveness, you know, and I think people experience that when they create art, uh, when they get into experiences of flow, right. Flow is a great, a great metaphor of that, right. Where we're living sort of in conjunction with incoherence with our deepest longings, our, our vital expression of, of who we are and, and how we bring that forth. So, so to me, it, it feels like sometimes you don't always feel it, right? <laughs> like sometimes it's work, sometimes it's grind, right? Sometimes it's, it's, um, 
you know, doing what you need to do. But I think as long as those things are connected into, um, that deep vitality, that deep sense of, of meaning coming forth, then, um, you know, then you are operating in that flow and it will feel like, um, like an expression of creativity, even if you're like, you know, entering numbers on a spreadsheet or something. One of the the aspects of worship, especially Royal court worship, like you, like you wrote about Paul is we come into these expressions that, that again, I'm, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't, we shouldn't sing songs of praise or worship or that we, you know, can't express our heart in that way. Um, but I think that, you know, when we, as, as long as we do that in a way that we're, we're giving worth and offering to God, but we're not subjugating ourselves in the process, right? Because we too are the altar, like we are the mantle of the divine. And so there's like a reciprocity or like a, a co-participation in that, that that's what God wants for us. Um, you know, uh, like, <clears throat> In going with sort of the, the parent child relationship with, with God, right? Like if, if my children grew up to just kind of constantly talk about how wonderful I was and, you know, shower praise upon me, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't really, you know, okay, well, that, that's nice. Thank you. But, you know, like, I want you to, to live as, you know, live, live out in your life. Like don't, don't always be directed on me as sort of this external object. Like, like, to honor me would be to live forth who they are in their, you know, that's what I would want from my children. So, I mean, that's one metaphor way of, of thinking at it. Like, um, you know, don't keep laying our treasure at the feet of God who wants us to claim and receive what's been given to us in love. Um, so I think there's, there's a real reframing, right? Like you're talking about like almost like soaking that in, like, well, what are we really doing when we worship and what is our role in that? And how does God see us? in who we are, uh, in that place, because I, I think there, there can really easily be kind of that false humility or that, um, almost shirking of, of responsibility in a sense, not, not, I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but does that make sense? Does that connect with either of you at all? And, and kind of your past experiences with, with any of that? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, as someone who's been involved in worship over my own evolution, the, uh, and process is, I, there is an aspect of growing up in in the way that I've experienced worship. When I was a child, if you will, spiritually speaking, there was this enamorance of God who, who has an infinite love for me. And my best way of reciprocating that love is to say, you're amazing. You're bigger than I am. I love you. I, you you've given me um, a good life as I've understood it. And Yet the more, I think the difficulty that we've run into is that uh, Constantinian Christianity has kind of held people in arrested development, or at least, you know, you have to go to a particular kind of institutional uh, environment that, that matches the developmental level that you want to be at or feel comfortable with. So, but unfortunately... Even those that are at, at various stages of development, you're you're trapped in the form of that development rather than continually like moving into greater and greater aspects of experiencing worship. So, you know, like you can get into certain communities where hymns may be more broad and more, but they're hymns for crying out loud. Like I, 
you know, I'm a rocker I and I'm embodied and I want to be able to move around the room or stomp or, or in within the realm of sanity and, and not wild-eyed fanaticism, but just there's, there's this capacity to kind of keep wanting to expand but not having a holding environment that's broad enough or safe enough or spiritually mature enough, relationally mature enough, emotionally mature enough to, to hold those various expressions. So the pressure in our particular part of the world is like, the individual has to create space for that expansive adoration and unitive wonder and awe. Like we are all swimming in infinity and, and creation is majestic and beautiful. I want to commune with it and, and fall in love with it and have it quote unquote, fall in love with me. There's this um, capacity to, to in all of us and, and, and right now as, as our particular part of the world is, in those beginning stages of deconstruction is to say what, how, how is this conversation evolving to be able to be more inclusive, more broad, more diverse, more embodied, less, you know, just either heart centric, wild eyed fanaticism or completely head centric, you know, um, sort of cold, stodgy, non embodied, you know, mouthing of, if, of him, nothing, and again, I'm I'm being a little hyperbolic. I'm not trying to indict any of these forms of ex, uh, of worship, but you know, and I hope I'm not rabbit trailing too far and too hard. But but there's something very powerful to say. We ought not to throw this idea of worship completely out because it's been interpreted as being complete subjugation and this debt oriented language of we owe this to God. We God up there, out there somewhere, you know, um, looking down, judging or analyzing, is this worthy? Is this, you know, just heartless or whatever, basically projection. Uh, how does this, how does this idea of, of embodied, intimate, infinite, incarnate, loving, adoring relationship continue to, to evolve and move forward? Yeah, that's beautiful, David. I mean, that's, that's very much, I mean, we're integralists, right? I think in, in one sense, I'm, I, we're, we're turning forth one facet of this that, that is um, maybe underrepresented, but we're not turning, we're not turning totally away from these, these devotional forms of worship to, to God beside us, to, to God beyond us. Right. And like you said, that the expressions of that, you know, sometimes we can, I know I can get into sort of the, um, aesthetic critique of, you know, how we do that and, you know, what the songs look like and feel like, and, and we all have different particularities with that. I think that's, that's one aspect of, of kind of an increasing um, proliferation of creativity, of form of music, of access, right. You know, it's like, uh, so like we want to include hymns, right. There's nothing wrong with hymns, right. Uh, even right. with some of the language, like, and maybe Paul, you can, you can speak to some of this because I know you shared with me how like you, you listen to the old time hymns and and it evokes this feeling of devotion in you and it, it doesn't matter that the language isn't quite um you know the way that that you would maybe phrase it or or is a more healthy understanding right there's still something in that 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 evokes that sense of of devotion and 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 is meaningful to you right yeah what what i i, I moved from my middle stage where i critique and deconstructed the male language and all the all the atonement stuff and moved into my heart and the 
mythic structure, stories of meaning, and the my womb, the mystical. And those those songs are beautiful. Then uh, I, have, I I shut off my mind, my critical mind, uh, and just enjoy them for what they are and what they represent. And uh, I, uh, like David said, I love I love the charismatic praise songs, <laughs> and uh, so it's it's what uh, uh, one philosopher called the second naivete, where you uh, you've gone through the deconstruction, now you move back to simplicity again, and you're just not so darn critical of everything that you can't enjoy it. So. Uh, I I I listen to Bill Gaither's sing-alongs <laughs> because they just the music is wonderful and the I they, they I, I I can sing along the words of those hymns that they sing and it just is is no end of joy for me mm. and uh, then if you ask me to give a talk on why they why that male language is uh, for God is not good I can do that. But in the meantime, I go ahead and enjoy the music. And, <laughs> well, and it leads you into that that state, right? That, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The second naivete opens up a lot more fun and more enjoyment than being so critical all of that. Well, and you know, and everyone is where they're at. I mean, we have a a, a mutual friend in our WeSpace group who was your worship. Uh, uh, minister or whatever right and so i don't think he's too super fond of the bill gaylish right he he is musical style right so there's the aesthetic element of it right where some people have have different engagements and then you know uh i think we're talking about i love the kind of what you're saying it doesn't have to be so in our heads right where we're we're critiquing we're analyzing we're we're in that that mental perspective but when we tap into the mythical to the heart to the devotion to the emotion and, and then even deeper as well um, you know, those are symbols in, in some sense, like the music itself is a symbol that's deeper than the word, right? It connects back to something from our past, what we've experienced or points to a, a reality, right? Like we sing a hymn, um, like, like the most stereotypical one we can think of, right? Like amazing grace. And there's something where, oh, like Christians have been singing this for hundreds of years, right? Like there's a, there's a participation in that, or even maybe even further back with chants and things like that, that we can, we can enter into, but then also every symbol, you know, <laughs> it, it, we're inter interacting with that ind independent of, from who we are and what we've experienced in our lives. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people who've been kind of, they might even use the word traumatized by, by worship and, and the emotional manipulation and some of the forms like, so there's, there's certain like, types of worship music that I, I can't listen to. Like I, I literally, I, it makes me feel nauseous. Like, uh, and we had one of those at one of our gatherings and I like, I literally had to mute, mute my audio. Cause I just, it just, it, it, it was the opposite of right. Bringing me into that place. So. <laughs> yeah. That syrupy kind of, you know, um, it, it, you can only enjoy, you know, candy. For so much and then after a while you do you you go completely worship vegan on everything you know it's got to be pure and i'm not like i mean that like it, it, if it's not i think that maybe what i'm what's standing out to me is that we're living in a time where developmentally speaking we're edging our way forward into what does true integral christian spirituality look like in the realm of worship and there's not necessarily a lot of um, a big frame of reference for that. We're kind of edging our way forward in that conversation. I know a lot of folks at Green 
and above who basically get back into chance. Chance are basically as close as it gets to maybe that heart centered, the mind is not neglected, it's embodied because you're using your body to to repeat the chant in a meaningful, heart centered, embodied way. But I, I, I wouldn't want to just relegate it only to that. So this this conversation kind of excites me because yes, when we're engaged in a co-creative act, be it sex, be it creativity, like gardening or going for a walk and seeing a flock of birds interact with each other and being completely enraptured by it or hugging a tree or, you know, there's, there's so many forms of worship um, that the conversation has kind of been held hostage by the Constantinian form of understanding worship, which is songs in a building, uh, and 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 giving devotion to the nation state understanding of who God is, uh, that that we're having to keep you know teasing and pulling and ripping that out of its of its indoctrinated hypnotized you know uh, uh, relegated uh, conversation. That, okay, well, what does collective adoration of the other, not just of spirit, infinite spirit, but intimate relationships, you know, looking into each other. Uh, this is really scary for us introverts, but looking into another person's eyes as we sing, you know, being able to, you know, uh, turn almost anything into an active, co-creative, loving relationship, worship, you know, uh, I realize I just shot us off into multiple directions, but no, no, that's, that's good. There's a lot there. I mean, I love that, David, because uh, you know the the association of it with the structure and the form. Like, uh, I, I that that was my path. You know, after I kind of left worship, traditional worship music wasn't working for me. To Zay was super meaningful. I mean, right. that's what I Absolutely. right to Zay chance that that like you said, it, there is an element of like. I wouldn't even call it mental though. Right. There, there are words, but you do it enough so long that it, it goes deeper, right. It, it absorbs, it becomes more embodied. And then also too the silence that they had within that, you know, like um, I think it's something like 11 to 14 minutes or is sort of their range of way it's supposed to be. And then, you know, I actually got to go to Teze a few times and experience it there. And a lot of the, the, places that did it here in the U S that I would try to go to afterwards, they couldn't, they couldn't do the silence for the full amount, you know, <laughs> it'd be like four or five minutes and then they'd shut it down and be like, Whoa, what happened? Like we just got started here, you know, or even like more liturgical expressions of, of, of worship, like, um, you know, Episcopalian or Anglican Catholic brothers and sisters writing within Christianity, their, their experience of this is, is a little different than what we've shared, but, um, you know, even that in liturgical sense, that's institutionalized, right. That's, that's scripted. And, and it's, you know, the, there's a rhythm and pattern to that, that, that does tap into the, the mythical, right. <laughs> into the mystical as well, in a lot of ways through the, 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 the Eucharist and, um, that, that people find really meaningful. But, um, I know when I participated in those, those sorts of services as well, it's like, again, the moment of silence, it was really a, a brief moment, you know? <laughs> so a spaciousness, right. First of all, spaciousness and a, and a deinstitutionalizing, right. Of those forms, which are okay. Again, like, you know, if those are meaningful and, and, and still lead us into that, we're not trying to throw all those out for, for people who do find that, that meaningful, but also like, there is more to integrate. There is more of a, um, of a possibility here of expression of adoration of, um, and, and, and I think 
I don't know why, but this is sort of the the image that comes to mind, maybe hearkening back to our last conversation on Eros. Um, but but I I think some of it with this sense of of, of embracing the inner devotion from and the 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 integration of that feels more like consummation. Um, like we're not just spilling our seed on the ground. <laughs> it's sort of like the, the, the real sharp language of it, right. Where sometimes worship felt like that to me, like, it just like, I have all this energy and longing and I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of like spewing it, you know? <laughs> um, and, and I don't know, maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's uncharitable, but I'm speaking mostly here now to my personal experience of it. And, um, whether that be, you know, just sort of, raw expression or there's something of the relational element to it, right. Of bringing in reintegrating that personal presence and, and then to like making it for something like for, for creation, for um, right. In consummation in that sense, like there's a, there's a, a creative life that is made from, <laughs> from that and from us and that, that gets expressed. And so that is kind of the, the metaphor of, of expression that I, that I play with in the article as, um, as, as this sense of like in the past to show that adoration, that devotion, like that we used to build Christians used to build these great cathedrals of stone, you know, and they'd depict the stories and the stained glass and the, the super high ceilings. And that was supposed to, you know, help people feel that sense of grandness to God. And, you know, probably did coming from whatever else was around and in, in kind of the, you know, their, their houses and things were nothing compared to that. Right. So, um, you know, but now it feels like one expression of this, this new integral possibility of, of worship and adoration is that, that coming into creativity through a new living cathedral, Right. The, the walls of the old are crumbling, but the, the web of the new is intensifying and interweaving. And so it's through these mystical bonds and interconnections um, where where we are able to come together, uh, not in a physical space that's necessarily uh, defined by the walls that make up its borders and boundaries, um, but drawn more into the, the mystical sacred enclosures of communities of co-creation. Um, so, so it's defined now by the, the, the generative intimacy and love that we bring forth together because we're creating a cathedral of co-creation among us. Um, and so, so because we're doing that together, these are creative acts of devotion. We're, we're creating a, you know, the little side chapel on the, in the cathedral that's devoted to a particular saint. Like, well, no, like this, this enclosure of this part of the community is, is not pointing toward a great figure of the past, but pointing toward what can we create for the future, uh, for the sacred future, uh, in participation with, um, with our co-creation for the world anew. So that that's how we tap into that vitality, that devotion coming from us through us into, um, you know, how that can serve the future, what that can be for, uh, for tomorrow. So, so that's kind of the, the metaphor, right? That we are the living cathedral. We are, we are coming together to, to enact adoration and those new acts of devotion and how we live, right. Um, are, are consummatory. They're, they're, they're creative in the sense that they're bringing forth life in the ways that are most needed and crucial and vital for a world that is in collapse for a world that is, um, you know, struggling in so many ways, how can we be those, 
those sacred enclosures of love and generativity and creativity and evolution. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in those new acts, right? Like, what is it, what is it that, um, <clears throat> that is your deepest passion? What is it that that's your deepest gift, right? Like if you tap into that, that creative longing within, right. That, that, that we, we bring to our, our worship of God. And if God is also within us and not separate, then, then we're, we're enacting that devotion from ourselves, from, from that deep uniqueness and that creativity of bringing forth. And I think this just completely reframes vocation and, and devotion of how we live. Right. Like, like I said, again, when I, when I wanted to be devoted to God, when I was younger, it was like pastor or missionary, right. Those are the only tracks, right? No, no, no. Like now we have the possibility to, to co-create together what is needed in this time. And that can look like, you know, so, so these acts of devotion can look like any kind of work that we're doing together, any kind of work that, um, that, that comes forth in expression of, of, and from that deepest place of, of longing and desire to be more loving, to be more, um, to be more whole to, and to, to release and free others into that more and more. Right. So we're inviting people to the church. We're inviting people to this living cathedral of transformation that transforms us on the inside, transforms our, our structures of the world around us and the way that we, uh, we do things together, <laughs> our we spaces, both interior and exterior, um, and, and the inner transformation. So the, the possibility of what those new acts of devotion are is really endless. Um, but when it's tapped into that vital energy, right. Any expression that we bring forth for that sake of the loving evolution of Christianity in the world is a transformation and a participation in that adoration and devotion to God, because we are co-creating with the divine, with God, um, to bring that forth in the world, to manifest that, to live that out, um, in, in whatever ways, again, like <laughs> I have tried not to get too specific here because it can really look like, anything, right? Like it's, it's not like this is sacred and this isn't, this is the, the ministerial vocation. And this is the sort of laity work of the people, right? Like, no, it's all the work. It's all the work, especially if we're bringing in that energy with it, um, to participate in, in offering that to our coworkers and, and, and coming together in spiritual communities, um, you know, both for support and connection, but also for collaboration and co-creating into new forms that bring about healing, that bring about, um, you know, different, different ways of helping people enter into the presence, uh, would be a, maybe a religious way of saying it. Right. But, um, but bring forth transformation in our lives and in society. Hmm. I have some friends here in the community that, you know, um, a few are, are social workers, some are teachers. I have, I have a couple of doctors. Um, I have one brother who worked for a Fortune 500 company. And the way that they engage their um, quote-unquote parish is, is they do so in a worshipful way. They do it in a way that says, how can I engage with my parish, my, these people, whether they belong to a particular religion or not, in a way that gives dignity to the other, in a way that, that is creative. 
how could we look at this in a way? So like, for instance, my doctor friend who has a private practice is saying, I don't want to just offer pharmacy pharmaceuticals to this person. I need to know how they're doing. What is, what is going on in their life? She's completely renegotiated what it means to be a, a doctor. She's really actually coming from it from an integral point of view. In fact, she practices integrative medicine, medicine, right? So she includes the whole kit and caboodle, your emotions, et cetera, et cetera. That is engaging in a co-creative, worshipful way. She's giving adoration, if you will, or dignity to the other. She cares. Uh, and she's also saying, let's come at it from a creative point of view. My Fortune 500 brother is saying, how do we do this in a way that's ethical and not just bottom line for the next quarter? You know, uh, my social workers, they, they work, my friends who are social workers, work in environments to where they could easily become jaded and bitter and, and angry and frustrated and resentful as to the systems that they work in. But they have chosen to live a life that's open. And it's not without struggles, of course, but isn't that what worship is? Worship is the... In fact, Paul, you know this better than I do. I mean, most of the Psalms, the handbook of worship for Jewish people are complaints. <laughs> and we, 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 we reduce worship to say it's all about bliss and light and joy. And, 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 but, you know, often it's like the struggle, at least according to the Jewish view of worship, the struggle is also worshipful. The pain, the, the grief, the loss, the sadness, um, even despair. And so I think it's Psalm 88 that's the most despairing Psalm in the, in the whole catalog. There, so we kind of reduce worship to, to a certain way of being. But there's, at least in, the, in our scriptures, there's a whole modality that's, that's a way of engaging with the world that's creative, that includes the whole gamut of human emotions and um, gives one the capacity to to kind of to to break out of previous modalities and into newer modalities of of, of being and, and of engaging. And I I feel like that's that's a great way maybe to 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 wrap us up. Unless you have any final thoughts. I uh, I went to a cardiac rehab this morning. I go twice twice a week. And the young guy who's a specialist uh, that pushes me around to the various machines and makes sure I, I, I exercise enough, uh, goes to a Baptist church and uh, he's going to become a deacon and he's excited about that. We talk about that. And uh, this morning I said to him, I said, you know, you're, you're really in the ministry. You're really a minister by doing what you're doing here. And he looked at me and he said, well, yeah, I, I try to uh, to put in a word about the gospel. And I said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. <laughs> you're just by what you're doing. You are ministering. You're a minister. You're worshiping because you are you're helping old guys like me live longer and you're making the world a healthier place to live. And that's. That's a worthy ministry, as well as any preacher like me who stood up for 50 years and gave sermons. Uh, he looked at me questioningly. I don't think he, I don't think he was willing to buy that, but I'm going to work on him some more. <laughs> that's great, Paul. I love that. And that's, you know, that's the um, 
the sense of right that living cathedral we're not trying to to pull people into the church right or to to draw uh you know to god but to live in the midst of what we're doing right and that is the the tapping into the that deep uniqueness right that that sense of what we're able to give so like you know, we, maybe we close with just this, this ask, right. That, that, that conscious participation in what is, what is my work? What is, what is it that I am bringing forth in the world in that way of love, right? What, what are, what are your new creative acts of devotion that will contribute to the assemblage of this living cathedral, right. That will tap into the deep divine passion that we all have within us to live a life of meaning and ultimate fulfillment, fulfillment, because we're living in devotion from and out of that compelling vitality in the depths of our being. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I want to worship, I guess. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>